sinners through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you thankful? Are you thankful for that promise that God has given us tonight? And I'm pretty sure Brother Nehemiah stole my iPad and read my notes. I was praying this morning. I said, God, I just want a small confirmation of what you've given me for this service. And Brother Nehemiah, God used him to confirm. What a testimony that is, that a child that just recently got the Holy Ghost, God can use him. And my title tonight is From Victim to Victory. From Victim to Victory. If we can lay our Bibles down right now, ask God to complete the work that he started in this service tonight. God, we worship you, Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promise and your anointing. God, we worship you and praise you, Lord. I pray that you would continue to do a mighty work in this service. God, that we would leave here changed. God, I don't want to leave here the same way that I walked in through these doors. God, I want your anointing and your presence to move. Minister in this place, Lord, in Jesus' name. I wonder if we could clap our hands. God, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't know if you can look around in 2023 and know that we are living in a fallen world. We are living in a time full of confusion, full of destruction, full of divisiveness, of pitting everyone against everybody, friend against friend, neighbor against neighbor, church member against church member. We are living in a time of struggle. We're living where a generation of young people are demanding everything but want to do nothing for it. A generation that's asking for the world, but yet they're not willing to do anything for this world. We're living in a time where crime and murder is rampant. We're living in a time where abuse amongst everybody is running rampant. And it's sad to say that we're living in a time where sin is glamorized by Hollywood and entertainment. We're feasting off of what the enemy is trying to do to confuse us and to take God out of every single picture of what we believe. We're living in a time where all those things that I mentioned are leaving people maimed and scarred. Some scars that we live with are self-inflicted based on decisions that we make every day. Some scars, unfortunately, are left by others. Sometimes our family, our friends. Sometimes scars are left by colleagues and strangers. And sadly, even by fellow saints. And for some situations, scars are even left by ministry. But as a result of those scars, we can be a victim of others' wrongdoings. We can be victims of circumstances that are completely out of our control. Through situations, we can play the victim and use that against others. Or we can have a victim mentality or a victim mindset. And I began to read through some scripture and look at some stories in the Bible of people who were victims of circumstance. Something completely out of their control. And the first one that stood out was Job. Job was a man who God loved. A man that had everything. Was one of the richest men in the world in his time. And the enemy said, I can get Job 
to curse God and turn away from what he believes. Job was a person that lost everything besides his health. Job could have said, what did I do to deserve this? That was his victim mindset that he could have had. Then you read of the story of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his own brothers into a strange land that he never knew anything about. Joseph could have had the mentality of, why was I even born into this family when they just wanted to get rid of me and sell me as a slave? David was a chosen man. He was selected out of all his brothers. Yet he was almost killed by King Saul for just trying to play music to help him through a time of torment. David was running for his life for years away from Saul's wrath and Saul's jealousy. David for killing giants and winning the battle for the Israelites by killing Goliath. He was criticized and victimized by Saul because of jealousy. David could have had the victim mentality of, God, why did you choose me over my brothers? Why did you pick me for this time? Then I read the story of Isaac. As you know, God told Abraham to take his only son up the mount and to sacrifice. And when Isaac got up there, he said, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And he looked around, and Abraham knew that he had to tie his own son to the altar to sacrifice him. Isaac could have had trust issues. Isaac was almost murdered by his own father for the sake of obedience. I would have lived with some confusion of saying, God, why did you pick my father to murder me for a sacrifice for you? The victim mentality there would have been, Dad, does my dad even love me more than he loves God? Gideon, who was charged to lead a battle against the Midianites, had 22,000 capable men that he could have used to fight the battle but God started a sifting process and started weeding out the men by the thousands and then by the tens of thousands to the point where Gideon was left with 300 men to fight the battle. He could have made the excuse that that's not fair. But God turned that situation around and allowed Gideon to win the battle with just 300 men. Esther, Queen Esther, who was a Jew, could have ran from where she was living under the king's rule, she had everything. But Haman, an evil man that wanted to kill the Jews, tried to kill her and her family because he had nothing that he wanted to do with the Jews. But Esther risked it all to save her family. And she could have said, why does the king's right-hand man want to bring harm to the queen's family? Why did I choose this situation? And the woman with the issue of blood had gone 12 years with a debilitating disease that caused her to seek doctor after doctor, to go months and years trying to find a remedy for her solution. She could have given up and says, why even pursue my healing that God has for me? Why don't I just stay home and do nothing about my situation? But that day as Jesus is walking through the crowd healing and doing miracles, was stopped by Jairus because his daughter was laying dead. And in the process of Jesus going to Jairus' house, the woman with the issue began to seek through the crowd, began to claw through, saying, today I am going to get my victory. And that day, by one touch of the hem of God's garments, she was healed miraculously of her disease. So on the flip side, we as Christians can play the victim. 
And what is playing the victim? Looking through different renditions in the dictionary, I, said, I found this one that was the most impactful. It says, playing the victim is the fabrication or exaggeration of victimhood for a variety of reasons, such as to justify. And in my own definition, based on what I found, is playing up how you got hurt in a situation, but using it as a crutch to justify bitterness, unforgiveness, and to make excuse to not be involved. Playing up how you got hurt in a situation while leaving out what you did to make that situation happen. And that led me on to the story of the Israelites. In Exodus chapter 14, Moses was trying to lead his people out of Egypt. And in verse number 11, it says, And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore, how hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is it not this word that he did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. See, right there, they began to complain about what God just did miraculously of freeing them from the grasp of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. In verse 13, it says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. What a promise that is. If God told you today, that problem that you've been dealing with, that situation you've been dealing with, you are to no longer believe it or to have to claim that any longer. You do not have to go one more day facing that situation. But the sad part is the Israelites begin to complain. After that miracle of God delivering them from their situation, they begin to complain. They begin to gripe about, should we have just stayed in Egypt? And been slave to the enemy that captured us. In the wilderness, God gave the, Egypt, or gave the Israelites a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to lead them. God gave them water. God gave them manna and food from heaven every single day. And every year, for 40 years, their clothes never wore out. Their shoes never wore out. And I know i got two young boys, and those boys are growing quick. And to not have to supply clothes for grown young children is a blessing. Come on. Can every parent say amen? <laughs> but yet that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough for the Israelites. They began to take on the victim mentality of what, what, can I, what else can you do for me, God? What else can you do in this situation, this wilderness, after you've just done miracle after miracle in my life? They began to complain. And reading the story of Ruth, Naomi and Orpah, when they went to a strange land, the land of Moab. Naomi had lost her husband, had lost her two sons, but had gained two daughter-in-laws that loved her, that wanted to know more about what Naomi believed in and the God of Israel. But Naomi became bitter of the things that God that had been done in her life that God had allowed. And Naomi began to complain. And that bitterness, unfortunately, began to bleed into Orpah's life. That when Naomi decided to go back to, to Israel, Orpah turned and went back to Moab. And there was something in Ruth that says, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to claim that bitterness, 
that you're instilling. I want to know more about the God of Israel, and I'm not staying here in this place until I find out what you have. See, we can take that victim mindset and use it, and we don't realize what it's doing to affect those around us, our family, our coworkers, our fellow saints. Because the victim mentalities begin to affect begins to affect us to keep us in a state of mind that's in a state of constant suppression, of suppressing what we're capable of, what we're capable of doing. See, a victim mindset is holding you into a prison in your own self, and you don't even realize it. Victims begin to say that I'm never that. I'm never going to be that. I'm not good enough. I've done too much. I'll never amount to that. I've been hurt too deeply. We can begin to make excuses for everything that we've gone through to keep us in the prison of our own mind. To say that I've been hurt too deeply by everyone else and everyone else is out to get me. Everyone else is the problem. I have trust issues because of my past. I can't commit to that. I'm sorry. And I've even heard the excuse before, that's just past my time. I'm too old for that. It's just not my thing. I don't have time. And see, what the victim mentality begins to do is to change our mindset and keep us in a state of bondage. Victim mentality breeds self-pity. To where it's the poor, pitiful me of God. I'm never going to do anything else because of all these things that have happened in my life. And it begins to harbor bitterness that's birthed out of unforgiveness. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but I know what God spoke to me so strongly about this service. Oh, Jesus' name. What is keeping you bound tonight? Are you become easily offended about what people say and do? In Psalm 119, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. Anyone in the Bible that I read could have been a victim. But the one victim that is justified is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus, he knew no sin. He was faultless. He was a spotless lamb, beaten and bruised, falsely accused, sacrificed for you and I. He took on the sins of the whole world. He took on the sins. And he gave us a promise he gave us the power and the gift of the Holy Ghost that we could have life everlasting. That there's a hope in living for God that we can have every single day. And mercy that is new every single morning. And Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand and the throne of God. I know you've been through some hard times. I know you've been hurt. I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not discounting what anyone in this room has gone through. I know it's not easy. But I wonder if someone right now could stand and say, I am reclaiming some ground that the enemy has used and stolen in my life to use my mind to have a victim mentality and say, God, I'm going to get the victory in my situation. I wonder if someone could stand and say, not today, Satan. 
I'm not going to allow the enemy of my life and of my mind to allow me to sit here one more day in a state of self-pity, in a state of mind that says I'm going to be prison unto my own self, that I will never accomplish anything, that I'll never be anything. I wonder if we could say not today, not today. I'm drawing a boundary right now, and the enemy is not crossing that. We've got to take authority against what we're going through and have a victory mentality and not a victim mentality. Too many times you let the enemy come in, and the first thing it does is it steals our joy, begins to steal our praise, begins to steal our victory in everything that we're going through on a daily basis. But I wonder if tonight we could turn that around and say, you're not going to steal my joy. You're not going to steal my praise. You're not going to steal what the enemy has taken, but what God has meant to be a blessing in the kingdom of God. So many situations in my life, when I look back, and how I became an enemy of my own self. I began to, began to punish my own self for my own wrongdoings when God says, I've already forgiven you of that. I've already took you out of that situation. You're still going right back to it. You're still crawling on your hands and knees back to that problem that says, I will never amount to anything. I've done too much in my life that's not worthy of being used ever again. But that's the lie of the enemy that wants to hold you back from what God has promised, what God has called you to do. I wonder if there's a young person that has put a calling on the shelf because of what you feel, because of things that you have done. I want you to go, and I want you to pick that calling back up and say, God, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to have victory over everything that I've done. I'm going to claim victory over every situation in my life that the enemy is stealing from us. We want the past to define our future but the past does not define our future. If it's under the blood, God doesn't see it. God can sit there and flip through the pages in the Lamb's Book of Life and says, you're complaining about this or you're holding back because of this, but I don't see that. Because in God, once it's under the blood, God no longer sees it. God is going to wipe that clean. If you've repented of your sin, God can give you victory over your sin. God can give you victory over everything that you've done. Oh, I feel this so strong with the Holy Ghost right now. Someone needs to get victory in this place tonight. You've been going long, too long, blaming the enemy when you need to blame yourself for holding on to that. You've lived the same year over and over and over again. It's time to say, I'm done living this year. I'm on to 2023. Welcome 2023. Here I am. I'm going to be used by God. I'm going to step into new opportunities. I'm going to step into ministry that I've been running from for so long. Come on, somebody. We've got to take a boldness and authority in Jesus' name. I've seen it plague youth groups and children that think that whatever they've done is unforgivable. And a lot of times we can keep going back and referencing it. But God says no. Musicians, if you could come, I'm coming to a close. You may want to label yourself based on your sin and think that that's your label forever. But if you look through the Bible, Rahab was a harlot but was part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. David committed adultery and covered it up with murder. Peter denied God and attempted murder when he cut off Malchus's ear. Saul, who became Paul, persecuted Christians. Jonah was disobedient to God. Moses also committed murder and had anger issues. Noah, after the ark, was a drunk. 
Abraham was a liar. Zacchaeus was a thief. Jacob was a deceiver and a supplanter. And I could keep going on. Those are labels that are placed on influential men and women in the Bible that God used for his kingdom that are written in some of the greatest books of the Bible. So what labels are you putting on yourself? How many times are you crying yourself to sleep saying, I'm this, I'll never be this? How many times are you making excuses for what you're not doing based on your own decisions? What you don't realize is no matter what sin has been committed, you can use those to help others. It's our testimony. It's what God has done for our life so that we can be used. Don't use it to incite bitterness. Don't use it to try to pull someone else down because they've got the victory and you didn't. Don't build walls of excuses. Don't build walls of unforgiveness and bitterness, self-pity, and walls that only just keep God out. My parents were in town over the holiday weekend and I was talking to my dad. And we were just reminiscing on what God has done and where God has brought our family. And before my dad got in church, he was in the military. And the very exciting news that they're gonna be expecting their first child, a boy. And my mom carried that baby full term. And just before she was about to deliver the baby, about a week before, she felt something different. She went to her doctor, which was at the military hospital, and said, something's not right with my baby. This doctor probably could have been sued and lost his job today if this were to happen, but he pretty much laughed my mom out of the room and said, nothing's wrong with your baby. Yet he wasn't the one that had been carrying that baby for nine months to know the difference. And as a result, my mom had a stillbirth of her first child. My oldest brother would have been 40 this year. And that was a time at the funeral that they asked my dad to, to actually run the whole funeral for his son. And he began to quote scriptures of comfort, scriptures that may not, he may not have realized what was happening in that moment. See, God can still call whether you got the truth or not because God can mark your life and have a purpose for you before you get the Holy Ghost. And in that moment in the funeral, my dad knows without a shadow of a doubt that he was called to preach in that moment. See, the loss of a baby hurts. I have three of my own and that anticipation of nine months to come without any issues, it's nerve wracking. I had faith when I had my three kids that everything was gonna be okay, but in the back of my mind, what if that could be my oldest brother? What happened to him? In that moment, my mom and my dad, confused, hurting. They didn't have truth. But because of that, they began to pursue something that they were looking for, that they weren't finding at the Baptist church, that they weren't finding at the Presbyterian church, that they weren't finding at all these other denominations. My dad kept trying church after church after church. And I began to listen to my dad speak last night and it hit me so strong that my dad and my mom 
didn't live out a victim mentality. As hard as that was that they had to go through, the pain that they endured, they began to try to look for victory in whatever, whatever glimpse of hope that they could find. And many years later, in a power plant, a man from Brother Booker's church in Royal Grande, California, saw my dad reading his Bible in the break room. Bible studies began. Home Bible studies began. And my mom and dad received the Holy Ghost in their apartment not too long after. See, the victim mentality would have kept them from searching. The victim mentality would have said, I'm just going to give up because what happened in my life is too painful. It hurts too bad. But instead, my parents began to seek victory. And as a result, myself and my siblings had a chance to live for God because my mom and dad stepped out of their situation and says, I'm not going to play the victim. I'm not going to play the victim because I want my family to have whatever it is that we're longing for. If we could stand to our feet right now, what is it that you're searching for? What is it that you're holding on to? And I'm not trying to be insensitive here because you don't know what people go through. People don't know what has happened in my life. So I'm not being insensitive when I say this. But if you've been abused, let God heal you. No matter what kind of abuse, no matter how great or how small, God can heal you from abuse. God can heal you from hurts that have happened in your life. What we've got to do is take away the crutches that want to keep us in that mentality of a victim. I'm always a victim. If you have a lost loved one or you lost a loved one God can comfort you tonight what excuses are you holding on to what are you waiting for what event in your life are you waiting for say in this moment is when I make my decision what has to happen for us to cross that line and say no the enemy said the line's here but no I'm coming all the way over to here because this is where the, the line used to be this is the ground that I used to claim territory of in my life, in my mind. I wonder if someone tonight wants to reclaim that boundary that the enemy has taken. I wonder if someone wants to come down to these altars and say, I'm done being the victim. I want victory. I want victory over my situation, over my past, over my hurts. I'm going to see a victory. I don't want to live any longer. In a victim mentality. I don't want to live no longer blaming others for myself for what God has and what God has promised us. What walls have you built that you need to tear down tonight?
why would you hold back for the sake of your own selfishness, for the sake of your own bitterness and unforgiveness in your life? We've got to give it to God. We've got to search greater depths than what we're living in right now. We've got to see greater depths than what we've been experiencing over the last 10 years. Liberty and freedom and victory. 